You know, uh, I was listening uh, to guys preaching, and I listened to several preachers, and I always try to catch, uh, he's long since passed away, but uh, Adrian Rogers, I don't know if you remember him or know who he was. He had this voice that just puts you at ease, this thundering, deep voice that calmed you down. It's almost like, you know, I used to think that God sounded like Charlton Heston from the Ten Commandments, right, when I was a kid. I was like, that's gotta be how God sounds, just like Charlton Heston. And then I heard Adrian Rogers, and I'm thinking, uh, maybe God sounds like Adrian Rogers, you know. But he made a statement, he was talking about provision in our lives and how God provides, and he said, you know, you can do it on your own. And he said, you know, would you rather have a warehouse full of bread or a father that owns a bakery? And he said, I don't know about you, but I love bread, but I love fresh bread even more. And you can have a warehouse full of bread and it go bad on you. And he's just talking about doing things in our own strength and we fret and we worry and we run around like a chicken with our heads cut off and we end up back at the same place, you know? And uh, I thought it was just really cool. I just love listening to Pastor Rogers. Um, this morning, I'm gonna preach a sermon. Oh, that's cool. And the title of the sermon is Yea Though Faith. Yea, though, faith. And what is the secret of having yea, though, faith? And I was talking in the men's group, uh, my son Joshua leads it, and that teaching uh, was Friday the 20th, was centered around being self-centered. Are you self-centered or are you God-centered? And then if we're God-centered, we will abide that. We won't be self-centered anymore. We will reach out to others. And uh, we didn't even get into the lesson. It was really crazy. Not crazy, it was good because the Holy Spirit was there. And a guy, you know, spoke up and said, you know, I'm just, I just have to be honest, I'm just not feeling it. I've just been really in a state of depression. And he was really been down and sad and battling depression. And for a man, if you're a man, you understand how much courage that takes because we all wanna be John Wayne, right? We wanna take the reins in our teeth and pull our six shooter out and our, have our lever gun in one hand and charge in with them guns, right? That's who we wanna be. And that, that scene never gets old to me, right? And as a guy who's ridden horses quite a bit uh, through my wife's direction, you don't wanna take reins in your teeth, I can tell you that much. <laughs> But um, we want to be that strong man, and, and we want to portray that strong image, especially to our wife and our children. But him being vulnerable led us to a lot of good ministry that night. And we talked about, and I said, well, I'm going to take you guys to something that the Lord's been working on me about for a month. And I talked about some of what uh, I'm going to be sharing today. And uh, it ended up back on being God-centered and not self-centered. And uh, this guy had come under a great attack. And I know it was an attack because it wasn't, he hadn't been doing anything wrong. He had been actually doing everything right. He had been reading his Bible every day, more than once a day, because he was discussing with me things that he had found. So I knew he had been reading his Bible. And he'd been praying more than ever. So I knew it was an attack from the enemy. And so I just encouraged this guy. I said, look, 
You're doing everything right. That's why you're being attacked. Rejoice, the Bible says. We are, we're doing it right when we're being attacked. And so square your shoulders and set your feet apart. You know, in security training, we talk about doing a weaver stance where we spread our feet so that we're not easily knocked over. Spread your feet, square your shoulders, and face it head on. God's there. He has your back. And so that's what brings us here today, this morning. Yea, though, faith. Let's pray. Father God, you are our source. I'm not a powerful speaker, Lord. I'm not an eloquent speaker, but you're powerful, God. You're eloquent, Lord. Your word is powerful. And Father, I've come this morning to declare your word. That means it's not resting on my ability, God, but it's resting on you and the power that is inherent in your word. And so, Father, I rest upon your word this morning. I pray, Father, that the people will absorb your word like a mighty sponge this morning. And, God, they will take the things they hear this morning with them to work on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, Lord, the whole week. And not just today, God, that it won't be a passing memory. And they'll say, what, was, what did that preacher guy talk about Sunday? But, God, you would burn their, your word into their heart. Not my words, Lord. My words are fallible. My words are frail, but yours are mighty. They're mighty through the Spirit for the pulling down of strongholds in our life, God. Those things that aren't pleasing, that aren't profitable for the furtherance of your kingdom. We need you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So turn to 2 Chronicles verse five, uh, chapter 5, verses 13 through 14. I'll set it up for you. Solomon has built a temple. David, his father, couldn't build it. He had blood on his hands. But David gathered all of the supplies to build the temple so that when Solomon was ready to do it, per God's instruction, it was all ready for him. And so he's built the temple, and it's all ready. The building's painted, it's polished, the gold shining, and this is about to take place. And verse 13, it says, Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they, had, and when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud, so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the clouds, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. And it says that they couldn't continue ministering if you do a further study in those words and the verbiage there. It means that they couldn't stand up to minister. The cloud is the weightiness. It's called the kabod. Go study it. I'm not going to give it all away to you. The kabod, the weightiness it means. It's like a dew point. A cloud gets so heavy with moisture that finally the dew point gets so great that the water falls from the cloud. We get rain. And the weightiness of that cloud causes refreshing rain to come down. And this is the kabod. It is the presence, the glory of the living God filling the house. No one had preached the word. The singers had sang. The trumpeters had trumpeted. Our singers have sang this morning. 
They've made this, this building is built. It's been built. They came in here and they praised this morning. This atmosphere is ripe with the spirit of almighty God this morning. You didn't come here by accident, incident, or for your own volition. If you're a child of the living God, you are here by divine appointment. This is a day for you to be here because something wants, God wants to give you something this morning that changes your life forever. God wants you to leave here today and there'll be no more shadow of turning in your minds. You will no longer be like a wave of the sea tossed about from one direction to the next, but you will be a solid, steadfast believer with their feet spread apart and your shoulders squared and saying, I stand because my God stands behind me, not because I'm brave, but because he's brave. I stand because, not because I'm powerful, but because I serve a powerful living God. And that's what was happening here. God showed up into a cold building made of stone and gold and marble that had no spirit in it. And it was built and it was beautiful, but it was lifeless until God showed up. Just like my building was lifeless and dead in its sin until a living God breathed into me and I became a living soul. And then he saw fit to fill me with his Holy Spirit so that I could commune one-on-one -on -one with him every day. And that's why I stand. It's why I'm still alive. Satan couldn't kill me. He tried. But I'm here because Almighty God descended in the cloud. Our singers have sang. This atmosphere is ripe. It's ready for you. The only thing that limits God is you. You can walk away from here with everything he wants you to have this morning, but it's your choice. I can't make you receive the gift. Only you can do that. The presence of God descended in the praises of the people. Now, there's a verse we say that God inhabits the praises of his people. And if you turn to Psalms 22, verse 3, it actually says something a little different. Original King James says inhabits, but the true meaning is this. Verse three, I'm reading out the new King James. But you are holy, talking about God, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Inhabit sounds good. Enthroned sounds better. Because when we're talking about enthroned, we're talking about a kingdom. A kingdom. That means that when we praise God, whether of our own accord in our car or in corporate worship on Sunday morning, God Almighty shows up and he is enthroned in our praise. That means a kingdom. Do you understand? Where there's a throne, there's a king. Where there's a king, there's a kingdom. That means that when I praise, every bit of authority and all the resources of heaven are in that car with me. You didn't hear what I just said. When you praise God, the glory of God descends, the presence of God descends, and every bit of authority and resources that God has is available to you as a believer. But we walk around scared. We have our feet close together, easily knocked over. Our shoulders slump, because we just don't know if God's gonna come through this time. If that's been you, stop it. Leave here today and don't be that person anymore. 
Life is hard. It beats us up. But there's blessing in the valley of the shadow of death this morning. I'm telling you what right now. The valley of the shadow of death, it abrades and knocks off all of the fluff that's no good. All of the unstable bits. That's what the valley of the shadow does. We don't die in the valley of the shadow. That's why it's a shadow. We come out of the valley of the shadow triumphant, different, better, stronger, more focused, more dependent than ever on God. When we go through the valley of the shadow, we emerge more dependent on God than ever. And that's what he wanted all along. Just like Dr. Rogers said, I don't want a warehouse full of bread I've provided for myself. I want a father that owns a bakery that every day gives me fresh bread. Because when I got to go to my daddy and get fresh bread, I have audience with the king. I have time, personal time. And he tells and shares his heart with me and I share my burdens with him. And I leave there with his heart and his burdens and I leave my heart and my burdens and my desires at his feet. And I say, compared to yours, Father, mine are nothing. I'll take yours. And Psalms 22.3 says that. Turn to Psalms 23. The 23rd Psalm. How many of you know the 23rd Psalm? Or you can quote three quarters of it. It's got to be in the, new, in the King James or I, I get lost. Right? If I tried to quote it in the Message Bible or some other, I'd be like, uh, it don't sound right. The 23rd Psalm, we all learn it when we're kids, don't we? It gets so familiar, we almost don't see the power in it anymore. It's a child's Bible verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I thought about bringing a scarf in here and putting it over my head with a staff and act all meek and mild, like a good little shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. All oh, the little sheep, man, man. That's the picture we get. That's not who shepherds were. Them was some dudes. They were tough. They slept outside all the time. When I was a younger man and Pastor B was a younger man, we did very foolish things like sleep outside on the ground all the time in the winter, didn't we? We floated down the river in the winter, broke ice on the river. And I thought it was cool. Now I'm thinking I wasn't so smart. Maybe that's why I hurt so bad. It takes a man to sleep outside all the time, doesn't it, Dwight? It takes a man. Them some tough dudes. They stayed out in the elements with their sheep. They had staffs that had been sun-dried in the Middle Eastern sun, and they were hard as iron. They had swords. They weren't these little meek and mild little wimpy dudes. You wouldn't want to fault no shepherd, I can tell you right now. David was a shepherd, and he said, I used to kill the lion and, and the wolf, the bear. I'd rip them apart. So when I read, the Lord is my shepherd, now my vision changes. 
And now I see a thundering, or hear a thundering voice in this powerful figure standing over me with a ready sword. Your shepherd, your God stands over you with a ready sword. That means out of its sheath. Out of its sheath. That changes my image of what a shepherd is. So when I read the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And look at what David is saying here. It's a Psalm of David. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Man, what is David doing there? He is praising God. He's declaring the goodness of the Lord. He is doing this. He is doing that. And then we get to the title of the sermon. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. See, it's easy to have faith when I'm on the mountain and I get up top and it's a nice flat place. But yea, though faith is different than mountaintop faith. Yea, though faith doesn't see what the next step is. Yea, though faith has to take a step and then we see. It takes another step and then we see. That's yea, though faith. Because the valley is not a pleasant place. It says it's a shadow of death in the valley, but you know the lily grows in the valley. The still water's in the valley to refresh me. He doesn't leave me in the valley without resources. But what's interesting to me and what I was sharing with the men the other Friday night is, have you ever caught what happens to David? He's caught up in praise of the living God. He's talking about vertically, God, you are my shepherd. You lead me beside, because he's saying he leads me. He uh, leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He's talking about this, and then suddenly it changes from he to you. Do you see it? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You, his speech went from he speaking out into the atmosphere to you, personal. Can you see it? Personal. God came down in David's praise when he heard David saying how good God was. He just had to come down and meet with David. And David's praise and declaration goes from here to right here. You lead. You're the one, God. You lead me. When you were working nights in Bible college and didn't know where your next meal was coming from, pastor, in the valley of the shadow, God showed up and said, right here I am, because you were steadfast. You declared him here, and the, the flesh in you is saying, well, it's you and me, God. And God said, it's me, and I'm enough. And he showed up right in his face in the valley of the shadow of death. It went from abstract declaration of praise to personal one-on-one -on -one communion. Just like that. From he to you, you're the one. When I was asleep out there and then I was woke up by some scary noise and my sheep are at risk, you're the one comforted my soul. You, I see you now. 
When we praise, he comes down and here he is before us. And it's no longer, God is good God. He is a good God. And it turns into you. Have you ever had praise? Have you ever had praise, Jim, where you went, it suddenly went from that to right here? Have you? I've had that kind of praise. It sustained me. God went from out here to right here. I could feel his breath on mine. And I said, that's the breath that breathed into me and made me a new being, a new soul. I can't give up now. I can't go back now. We're not of the kind that turn back. Once we set our hand to the plow, we do not turn back. That is what the valley, that's the secret of yea, though faith. It's ripping away all the useless junk off of us. Do you know what remains? A steadfast heart. A steadfast heart. A steadfast heart. If something good happens, you know what a steadfast heart does? Just keeps standing. If something bad happens, a steadfast heart just keeps standing. When nothing at all happens and the ceilings of heaven seem like brass, a steadfast heart just keeps standing. That's what God has done for me in the valley of the shadow of death. It chipped away all of that junk, all that mess that's no good for me. It's not healthy. It's like junk food. It's spiritual junk food. And we feed ourselves with this, well, I'll try to do it myself and self-help this. And it's got to be an easier way than just standing on the word of God. Standing on the word of God is hard. It's got to be something quicker. I can have my coffee right now. Lord, help the little coffee, what do you call them, a barista? Lord, help them if they're a second too late getting your order. And they're going to die if they get it wrong because you're just going to pull them across the counter and... Because you got to have your coffee. I, I, trust me, i got to have my coffee. But everything, the big things, the little things, doesn't matter. When there's no thing, nothing, a steadfast heart says, doesn't matter. I've spread my feet, I've squared my shoulders, and the scripture says I set my face like a flint. In the hard times when you as a believer have a steadfast heart, and you set your face like a flint, you know what happens? You know what the world sees? That, that person who's on the fence sees the hard times come and they see that steel hit your face and sparks fly off of it. Sparks fly off. When you stand your ground and you say, I will not be moved, my child's sick, I will not be moved. My health is not good, I will not be moved. It does not change who God is. My finances are in the toilet. I will not be moved. God is my source. I'm not my source. That's right. I've set up a many a night. My wife and I, our babies having hard fevers. Would lay in between us in the bed so we could feel when the fever broke. I'm not going to be moved. God is my source. Right. And when you stand with a steadfast heart and the, the world's looking at you and the enemy comes at you with his sword and he hits your face and it hits that flint and the sparks fly off. It's fireworks. It's celebrating the goodness 
the mercy and the faithfulness of a living God. So if we could begin to see the challenges in the valley as an opportunity to let God show off, then I can step into the valley with assurance saying, God, you're going to show off today. Hallelujah. I'm going to step out there and set my face like a flint and say, bring it on. Because when you do, God will get glory. Fireworks will fly. Can you see it? You need it. We don't want to be Christians who are tossed about by every wind of doctrine or change that comes. It doesn't matter what Israel or all that stuff is going on. We love Israel. We support them. It doesn't matter if the economy is in the tank. I've been young and I'm old, the scripture says. I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor God's children begging bread. And you know what? If you give me bread when I need it, it's not I'm begging. God, you're providing for me because we're in this together. We're the early church. It's called koinonia. It's a type of living and caring and loving one another, as pastor said, that only applies to Christians. I've never, I've been old, young and I'm old. I've never seen a righteous forsaken or God's children begging bread. And it doesn't matter what's going on. When I, I've been in the valley of the shadow and I've passed through that thing from death into life, it's chipped off all the stinky, no good junk, the unstable stuff. The Bible talks about Israel. He says that God is turning Israel upside down and shaking it and wiping it clean like a plate. It's getting rid of the no good stuff. I don't know. I know God has turned me upside down before. And it was like a, <laughs> my son's not here so I can pick on him. He was a little bitty fella and had on his jeans, you know. And my wife was giving him a bath and she got his little jeans off of him when she picked his jeans up and turned them upside down, you know. Pocket knives fell out. Bullets. He had 22 bullets and pocket knives. And she's like, where did you get these? He wasn't old enough to have them. He done snuck and got them wherever I had them at the time. And I thought I had a picture of that. I was like, God, you done picked me up before and turned me upside down and just shook that stuff I'm not supposed to have out my pockets because he loves me enough to turn me upside down and shake out my pockets. I'm just an old hillbilly, and I, I just, God speaks to me sometimes in ways y'all be like, okay. He does speak to me sometimes prophetically, and it sounds goofy sometimes, but I was going to work one time. I'm riding down the road, and it's right before I preached a sermon called Weeping in the Valley of Baca. The Valley of Baca in Scripture is the Valley of the Giants. You ever felt like you've been in a valley and everyone you meet's a giant rising up against you? But it talks about in that verse that they go from strength to strength. They go just as far as they can go and they can't go much further and then there suddenly is a pool of refreshing. There it is. Weeping in the valley of the giants. We got to be in the valley 
And the Bible says in that verse, we're blessed because we're there. And I was riding down the road. I come right up from uh, Brooke and Stephen's house where they live. And I, I was coming up the hill there. It's before they ever moved over there. And, and this big old squirrel come running across the road. Now, I like to eat squirrels. I like to hunt squirrels. I've killed plenty of squirrels. So, Peter, folks, I don't apologize. But I don't like to hit them with my car. It's just wrong, you know? Because every time I ever hit one with a car, I felt like there's a little wife squirrel somewhere is thinking, now why don't he come home? Right? I, I told you I'm old hillbilly and I'm weird. God talks to me weird. And I, that squirrel cut across the road. I'm like, dad, come it. I almost hit him. I'll shoot you later, but I didn't hit you. And the Lord said as loud to me as almost audible. He said, you know, that squirrel ain't got no pockets. I said, what? I said it out loud. I said, what? That squirrel ain't got no pockets. And in the moment of time, God spoke to me about provision. And he's my provider. And he took me, and that following night, I had a dream about the Valley of Baca, and I saw pools of water in the distance. And in that dream, I was walking. And just when I was at my weakest, and I felt like a man in Lawrence of Arabia, I couldn't get one more foot, I'd see a pool of water. And I'd go from strength to strength. And God said, and it's like I could see God standing there saying, yeah, he ain't got no pockets. He don't have pockets to carry money in. A provision? Why are you fretting? Why are you worrying about finances or your health or your children's health? Does it add one cubit to your height or make one of your gray hairs black again, son? You're wasting precious time worrying and fretting. That squirrel's got no pockets, and I feed him. Oh, hillbilly speak. You know, God speaks hillbilly too. And so I'm saying, in those moments, God went from out here to right here in Joe's face, where I need him to be. The valley of the shadow. It's the only thing it makes us steadfast and gives us steadfast hearts. steadfast heart is not moved. Doesn't matter what the atmosphere is going on. If it's a rainy day, sunny day, snowy day, doesn't matter. If the finances are great, the finances are bad. If the stock market's up, if the stock market's down. If the interest rates of houses is skyrocketing, it doesn't matter to a steadfast heart. Embrace the valley of the shadow. Embrace it. What's interesting here, it talks about in uh, Psalms 23, it goes on, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That word mercy there is pretty cool. It's not like mercy what you would think. It's the Hebrew word for mercy there is chest, C-H-E-S-E-D, chest. It means the unfailing, steadfast covenant 
love of God. Surely goodness and mercy, surely goodness and the unfailing, steadfast covenant love of God will follow me. He's a covenant God. He's entered into a promise with us that he swore by no greater. He swore by himself. He gave Jesus as a propitiation for our sins. And there it is. There it is. Y'all awful quiet. Okay, is it hot in here? Maybe I'm just hot because I'm in the hot seat up here. Get it right. Just say what I said. Don't say no more. I see I've touched on that. Passing through the valley is not pleasant, but we become steadfast. How many of you know you need to be steadfast? I need to be steadfast. Steadfast is not easy. It's reading when you don't feel like it. It's coming to church when you're tired. It's not letting the enemy beat you down and make you feel guilty and you don't come to church because you and the wife were just fighting 10 minutes before you were leave to come to church. How we know that? It's not always pretty getting up and getting ready for church, but it's worthwhile. Most of the time, you'll have the greatest blessing ever if you push through and come on and visit and come to church and participate in the praise and worship that causes the glory of the living God to descend in your life. You think the enemy wants you to come here? I was just wondering if the, the, some of the devil's imps aren't there whispering in your wife's ear like, if that knothead leaves his stinking underwear laying on the floor one more time, you know what? I'm going to confront him with it. It's 10 minutes before we got to leave the church. And you're going to be like, look at this. What are these? <laughs> if they don't get in the draw dirty drawers, uh, dirty laundry, they don't get washed. Or maybe you're a toothpaste from the back and she's a toothpaste from the middle and you're going to brush your teeth before you come here. And you're like, that woman. She's got to just squeeze that toothpaste from the back and get every little stinking speck out of it. And you're in there with your pocket knife cutting the toothpaste tube open because there's none left and you're trying to get some out. And you go, what is this? You didn't buy any more toothpaste. You used the last of it, and you didn't buy none. Man, the devil's like, <laughs> oh, they're arguing now. We got them. They fussing. Oh, wait a minute. They're bringing up stuff that happened five years ago now. We got them. They ain't going to church today. Hallelujah. The devil be praising. He's praising, man. He's shouting. But if you can just be like, honey, let's just get to church and go to the altar and pray for ourselves. You're in the valley of the shadow. You're not perfect. She ain't perfect. But you're perfect for each other. It makes us better. We don't, we're not trivial anymore. When we go to the barista that morning and they don't get our coffee right, we say, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Just remake it. It's fine. I got time. You don't have time, but you're making time. 
because maybe that kid's life just fell apart the night before and they had to be at work that morning because they had bills to pay and they're in a bad place and you were just able to be Jesus to them because you went through the valley of the shadow and he knocked off some of that ugly off of you to let the good shine through. Maybe that's what we're in the valley for. I'll leave it up to you. But in 1 Corinthians, let's talk about a steadfast heart. I'm just gonna read a couple of scriptures. I'm not gonna keep you too long. God may have something else to do today besides me being up here. But 1 Corinthians 15, 58, look at what it says. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We gotta be steadfast and immovable. We're doing a work. See, when we become steadfast and immovable, God can use us. God can't use you running around over here. God was wanting to use you back there. Oh, run away. And he's like, you're going through the valley now. We got to get some of that off of you. I love you too much to leave you the way that you are. When I was a wishy-washy Christian, I hated myself. When there's two different visions, there's division and there's a two-headed monster. We had to have singleness of heart, the Bible says. And that heart needs to be steadfast and focused on God. Look at Hebrews 3, verse 14. For we have become partakers of Christ biggest little word in the Bible, if, if we hold to the beginning of our confidence. What's our confidence? The beginning. What was the beginning of my confidence? Teacher mode now. When I accepted Christ, my confidence became, was in Christ when I realized I'm a sinner and I need him. I need his grace and his mercy. And that's my confidence. So at the beginning, he's saying we need to hold fast to that. He says, for we have become partakers of Christ if, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. We got to hold on, tie a knot, tie a bowling knot, tie something to you. Hold on to God no matter what comes, no matter what. The valley of the shadow will make us steadfast. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 10. You know, I was fussing, we talking about getting older and... Uh, my eyesight, you know, I have contacts and I've had them for years and glasses. And as you get older, your vision does stupid things and uh, you fuss about it. But it's like, well, you know, if I got to look twice, then maybe I slow down. Maybe I see things I didn't see before. I had an uncle, he was deaf and uh, he was what some would call an invalid. He was handicapped and he was deaf and, and uh, he walked really slow, but he didn't miss anything in the woods. You trample on a ginseng plant, and Uncle Alfie would hit me with a stick. Oh, uh, he'd say. Oh, uh, 
And I'm like, what? Huh. He pointed down as a ginseng plant. One time we was running down, I went running down to my in Arlene's spring. There was a spring down there. And I went booking down there and I'm getting ahead of Alfie because he walked slow. And all at once, he whacked me with that, that cane. Oh, I said, what? Huh. He pointed and I was just about to walk into a snake hanging down right off the limb, right there head height. That wasn't a poisonous snake. It would have hurt when it bit me on the nose, but he was slow moving, slow looking, and saw everything. Sometimes we need to slow down. First Peter 5, that was for some of y'all who are just driven this morning. You need to slow down sometimes, right? Slow down a little bit. Yeah, you're that person, like I said once before, you got to stop the gas on an even number every time. You're that person. Stop it on 1020 and leave it. Slow down that day. So that was for somebody. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, your enemy, the one trying to kill you, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion because Jesus pulled his teeth seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. How? Steadfast in the faith, not in my strength. I'm not brave. God's brave. I'm not powerful. God's powerful. I'm not eloquent. God is. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You guys, we've all been through it, ain't we? Ain't we? I can look at all y'all in here, and I know you've been through it. You've had the dog beat out of you at different times, and maybe it's happening right now. Stand. Be steadfast. Let God work his perfect work in you. Just be still. You know that scripture when it says, be still and know that I am God? Go back and read it fuller and research it. God is not speaking to an individual. He's speaking to the entire world in that scripture. He's telling the world, stop and be silent and know that I am God. That's what it says. He's speaking to the entire world in that scripture. Be still. All the nations that were raging at that time, he's saying, be still. Steadfast. But may the God of all grace who called you, called us to his eternal glory to Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while. I don't want to hear that. My son was talking about, he's reading all this scripture a while back, and he said, man, I was looking for something else to read, and right there, the next book was Job. He said, I ain't reading that. After you have suffered a while, he will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. When we're steadfast, we're settled. We're not running around, who's my God? Is God gonna save me? Is God for me? Is God against me? A settled person, that's already been worked out. And how did it get worked out? After we've suffered. I'm not here to make light of your suffering. 
I was talking about, I, I preached a sermon years ago on Job, and so I, I, I did a list of things that I had been through in a few years, and it was pretty crazy. And I read it out loud. And some people were like, great day. I can't believe that all that stuff happened to you. And other people were like, I wish that's all that had happened to me in the past few years. Right? So when I say suffering, I, I know what I'm talking about. My suffering may be different than yours. But we've all suffered. And we're all here to encourage one another, to take heart, stand fast, become immovable, settle us. Lastly, Psalm 78. <clears throat> and I had read Psalm 78, but I didn't type it in my notes to give to my scripture folks, but I wrote it in because God's like, no, we need to read that one too. And he's the boss, so we do what he says. And the psalmist is talking about Israel here and how they just, they just messed up so many times. And in Psalm 78, verse 37, I'm going to read just two verses, 37 and 41. We're going to drop down to 41 in a second. In 37, it says, for their heart, talking about Israel, was not steadfast with him, talking about God, nor were they faithful in his covenant. 41 says, yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. And God wanted me to tell you this morning, like I told you at the beginning, the only thing that stops you from receiving fully from God is yourself. It says right here that their unsteady hearts limited the power of God. That's what it says. I didn't make that up. It says, yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. You don't want to limit God in your life. Man, praise God. Declare his works. Talk about how good he is. Turn your praise time around. Make it different. Thank him and praise him. I heard a guy talk about praise God on credit. I said, praise God on credit. He said, yeah, you got to praise God for what he's going to do. Not what he has done. Start praising him for what he's going to do. Praise him like it's already been done. You buy stuff on credit all the time. Surely y'all know what that plastic card can do. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's misery but not with God. And if we could just get it in our heads to begin to praise God like never before. And then it goes from out here to right here. It goes from he to you, you. And we're in the valley of the shadow is when we do that. It's easy to praise him on the mountaintop. You understand that the mountaintop's where the promise is given. The mountaintop is where the word of God is given. But in the valley is where the, the word of God is proven. That's the proving ground that God is faithful. His word is true. His word never fails. It's immutable. It's inerrant. And it's immovable. Jesus said every single thing can pass away, but his word will not pass away. And he's made a covenant with me. So stand to your feet this morning. I'm going to pray for you.
I pray that you got something out. I know, but I know beyond any shadow of a doubt, God meant for me to tell you what I told you today. And I know that there is a promise here today that you can pick up and take with you today. You can stop being that person that's turned their heads from side to side. I mean, God over here, is God over there? Should I go over here? Should I go back there? And God's grabbing you and saying, just be still. Square your shoulders and spread your feet, son, and take it full on in the face. And when that wave comes at you, that's another thing, another dream I had. I don't have time to share. It's about the Trinity and what it means to me personally. And I was standing on a rocky shore of the coastline, and I was standing there, and I saw this wave coming at me, and it was looming higher and bigger and darker, and I felt the Spirit of God saying to me, stand, stand, son, spread your arms. I was standing like this. He said, spread your arms wide and take it full on in the face. You stand and take it, son. Do it. And I did in a dream just like this. And that thing hit me. And right when it hit me, I felt like a steel rod against my back. I kid you not, God is my witness. It felt like a steel rod at my back right when that wave hit me. And it broke over me like I was a stone. And I was still standing. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, spit, son. Spit it out. Don't let that water of bitterness stay in you. The waves come, the trouble comes, the fight comes, but don't let it in. Just keep standing. I've got you. I've got you. And if you're standing and it's looming and it's scary, I know it's scary. I've been afraid. I'm not brave. God's brave. That's right. He makes me brave. Yeah. He makes me brave. Yes. Yes. He makes me seem like what you say I am. And that thing's coming and it's scary. God says, don't just stand there, but open your hands and take it full on in the face. And when it hits, spit it out and don't let the bitterness in your soul. Don't let it change you. Don't let it wash out the power of God in you. And you are a different man or woman this morning when you leave here. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray your people, Lord, will tap into the power of being a steadfast man, a steadfast woman. Hallelujah, God. I know your power is here this morning to bless them and set them free from a life of a constant turning head to set them free from racing thoughts, to set them free from fear, to set them free from depression, to set them free from addiction. Yes. God, I pray a backbone of steel coming to every believer this morning. Yes. Spread their feet and square their shoulders, Lord. Bless them, God. I don't want to see them fight for it, Lord, like I've had to do, but God, if you have to, Lord, do what you have to do to make us, God, into what you want us to be. Bless them this morning, Lord. Touch their hearts and their minds. Give them peace in every home, God. God, I pray laughter flood their homes like sweet perfume. I pray that peace flood their homes like sweet perfume. God, when they praise you, Lord, that just peace will flood over their homes, their children. Lord, and when they leave their home, that fragrance of you, Jesus, will stick to them. It'll go into their workplace and the marketplace. In Jesus' mighty name, I speak that blessing over you. Amen. Amen. Love you. Thank you. Hallelujah.
Brother, we have heard the word of the Lord this morning from his servant. That, that may have been the best sermon I've ever heard you preach, Joe. I, I'm going to remember the words of what he said this morning. You know, and, it, and, and I think the Lord bore witness with that this morning. I got up and talked about this young lady who got a good report and uh, said, you may not be in a, in a place where you have that praise report, but God is still God. Amen. 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 You know, Joel, when you said that, uh, talking about the valley of the shadow of death, I heard the words of Butch Miles. He said, a shadow of a dog never bit anybody. It's just a shadow. It's just a shadow. Shadow of a dog never bit anybody. Just something to cause you to fear. Amen. But he is still with you. Amen. He is still with you. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to open the altar while the worship team sings. You just may want to come and have something that you want to lay at the altar. Maybe you got some of that bitterness you need to spit out. You know, or maybe you've just been grabbing hold of fear and you've been operating in fear and you're just going to lay it down and pick up that faith and that steadfastness and walk away. And so we're going to open the altar this morning for a time of prayer. So the worship team leads us and then we, um, we're going to close out the service. Go ahead, guys.
Amen. How many's had your faith built this morning? I have. I'm telling you, I've been encouraged. So. Amen. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having on the helmet of salvation. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Your loins girded about with truth. Take on the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. Wherewith you can quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Well, I'm going to tell you, he throws some fiery darts now. I told Jeannie the other day, was riding down the road, I said, some of the thoughts that come into my mind, honey. And I shared some of them with her. I'm like, I hope everybody doesn't think like that. I hate the devil. Just the stuff he puts in your mind. You know, but the shield of faith quenches those fiery darts. That's right. I remember when I was in Bible college and I was talking to one of the one of the professors and I said, I was sharing something. He's like, yeah, I know how it is. You're sitting in church, you're right in the middle of worship, so some thought comes into your mind. Right in the middle of worship. He said, that's the fiery darts of the wicked. But the shield of faith quenches. So having done all to stand, you stand with that armor and taking the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And fight. That's a that's a that's an offensive weapon. Amen, Joe. It's both defensive and offensive. So don't just stand there. You you fight the enemy. Amen. Well, praise God. We're going to dismiss in prayer, and uh, I want everybody, if you would, just take a, a little short break and come back in here. This is the last meeting we're going to have before the No Fright Fun Night. So we need to finish a few details. There's a few. Um, things that we need to work out that we haven't figured out what we're going to do, how we're going to do it yet. So if you could come back in and let's, uh, let's get our game plan together um, before you head out today, if you would, please. So, Father, we just thank you, oh God, for your word. It is yes and amen. It is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Lord, I, I have to admit, I wasn't feeling it when I came to church this morning. I really wasn't. I'm a little under the weather physically, but it was more than that, God. It was something spiritual. But, Lord, you've encouraged me today through, our, through your servant, and I thank you for that word, God. Lord, Joel asked us to, and he prayed over us this morning, that we would not forget the word of the Lord this morning, but it would, it would become a part of us. So, Lord, help us to be encouraged this week, Lord, and we, whatever people are facing, Lord. I know that not everybody's walking in victory today, God. No matter what they're facing, you are still God. Help us to stand firm and to stand fast, we pray in Jesus' name. Now, Lord... As we leave this place today, God, I speak a blessing over the body of Christ, over every home that is represented here today. God, may their home be a refuge, Lord, and escape from the world and worldly things, God. May your Holy Spirit reside in them. God, may they themselves be the dwelling place of your presence, Lord. And God, just like Pastor Joel shared, when you're out in the world and somebody's going through a hard time, may we be Jesus to them, Lord because your Holy Spirit resides in us, Lord. Strengthen the family, I pray today, God. Husbands and wives, Lord, you said, God, that they need to have a relationship of unity lest their prayers be hindered. So, Lord, I pray you strengthen the husband and wife, God, parents and their children. God, you said that if the children would obey God, it's the first commandment with promise that their days will be long on the earth. So make them obedient to their parents, Lord. Siblings, one with each other, Lord. They need to love each other, God. You said if we can't love our brother who we can see, how can we love God who we cannot see? So, Lord, I pray that siblings love each other. And then, Lord, I pray for those that's walking their journey alone, God. 
Lord, they're looking for their mate, God. They desire to have companions. So, Lord, you bring that person across their path, I pray. In Jesus' name, Lord, amen. 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 Take a break, and I'll see you back at a quarter till.